0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio here on blogtalkradio.com, front slash Gypsy Poet. I'm the Gypsy Poet, and I have got to say one thing. Happy 4th of July to everyone out there listening out across the USA and all those that are around the world that cannot be home. I just have to say I love all of you that are listening in. It is a great joy to be even doing a show on July 4th. I am so excited for this show because I have a very special guest that I just cannot wait to talk to, and I can't wait for you all to listen in because I think he's one of the most brilliant musicians of our time and he's got such an amazing skill on the guitar and I've and there is no way I, I don't know if I'll ever have another guest like him again and unless he does a follow-up anyways I got introduced to to you the one and only Ira Black. Ira honey are you with me?
1: Yes I'm right here happy Independence Day.
0: <laughs> happy, happy Independence Day to you too. Okay Ira you have quite a career on your hands here, and I want to know a little bit about it. You have performed with everybody under the sun, and yeah. I and I want to st- and I want to start actually where you uh, how and why and what possessed you to get into music. So let's talk about that first.
1: Whew. Well, you know, th- thank you for the compliments first and foremost, and mm-hmm. thanks for having me on your mm-hmm. show. Um, you know, I, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, I always like to get the word out about the history of Mm -hmm. what I've done to, when I look back on it, you know, sometimes I'm kind of blown away myself, just like, wow, you know, I've been playing guitar for Mm -hmm. 34 years and, uh, you know, avidly, like since day one I had to play every day, you know, but uh, my, my uh, birth father um, Mm -hmm. went by the name Waylon Black and he was a R and B blues guitar player, um, Mm -hmm. you know, since before I was born. So, you know, it's A in my blood and B I grew up around it. And then my stepfather played guitar also, so, you know, even when uh, my mom, uh, you know, went on and had a second marriage, you know, music was still in my life. And he's actually uh, Joseph DeMeo, who taught me, you know, my stepfather, who taught me my first chords at age 10. So that that's what really got got the ball rolling for me. So 34 years later, here we are.
0: Ah uh, yes, um, and, and the bit of research that I've actually done uh, on you—and and trust me, I love—I love reading. <laughs> um, it mm-hmm. says here you're actually playing with a group called Attica Seven, and it features Evan, uh, Evan Seinfeld of Biohazard, Rusty Coons from Sands of Anarchy, and Tommy Holt from uh, uh, UPO. Um, and uh, you want to talk a little bit about this group?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and uh, the bass player is Augustus Crimes. Mm -hmm. also, and I mentioned him especially because he's uh, also producing the new music chorus, but uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I joined the band uh, two and a half years ago, and uh, shortly thereafter, we started recording, and we uh, were managed by John Reese, who puts on the Rockstar Mayhem Festival tour, so he ended up putting us on that within under two months of me joining the band or something like that, so it was kind of a whirlwind, you know, just like right from joining the band to, you know, jumping on the biggest traveling metal tour in America. It's pr- pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the guys in oh. the band are amazing. You know, Evan obviously has his history. Everyone knows about. It. he does everything under the sun from acting, you know, in movies, to TV to, you know, well, there's a little porno side, but he's kind of stepped out of that. But, uh, and then, of course, his musical career. And then Rusty mm-hmm. Coons is the other guitar player. He, uh, you know, is doing some acting now. He's actually filming it new TV show uh, on the East Coast right now in New York. I don't know if I can uh, tell you what it's about yet because it's kind of under wraps. But, yeah, so yeah, so that's where all that's at right now.
0: Awesome. Where are you from originally? Because to me it seems like you just came out of nowhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've been in over 70 bands. And, and I mentioned that first because that right there mm-hmm. – has brought me around a lot, but it it, it was kind of like my mantra in life, like I moved around a lot as a kid, being a Mm -hmm. child of divorce, my mom was actually married three times, so we moved to different places all the time, so I was born in Sacramento, California, and then uh, we ended up moving to the East Coast, to Rhode Island for several years, and then uh, see, I joined a traveling circus at age 13 for a month, by myself, and then when I was 14, I left my family and moved back to California on my own pretty much. And uh, I had some family out here, my grandmother and stuff, so she helped me out, you know. But I, I kind of just uh, kind of got a, an early start on, you know, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play music and uh, traveling is something I did a lot. So it just kind of turned into, hey, you know what, playing music and touring, that that's kind of, you know, goes with the territory, you know. So I kind of just fell into it. As naturally as that, because you know, from all the traveling and wanting to play music, I knew that's what I wanted my career to be. I mean, literally at age, I think I saw Black Sabbath and Quiet Riot play live at age 13 in 1984, and I was like, "This this is what I want to do." (laughs) I knew it. I was already playing guitar for three years, and you know, it all just kind of came together for me. You know, a lot of people I knew were. And even nowadays, all these years later, they don't know what they want to do with their life. I do then, you know, so so that's, you know, I attribute just that knowing that it's really, you know, brought me around to, to all the successes I've had.
0: What I've noticed about you is um, that y- you have been in bands that have influenced others or spawned others for that matter. Um, how does that make you feel as a musician?
1: You know, that's, it's kind of hard to see that stuff. I mean, I, I'm sure you understand this. It's like when you have accomplishments in, in, in your career of music, especially it's a lot of times hard to see it. You know, sometimes it takes a while. A lot of times till after it's passed or so and you look back and like, oh, okay, wait a minute. That was, you know, there was some success built into that, you know, whether it was financial or influencing other people or just, you know, you set out a goal and you finished it, you know, but it, a lot of times it's hard to, uh, you know, see that. So, you know, it's, I, I try my hardest cause that's, you know, th- th- that's what inspires me to keep going. A lot of times, you know, you go, man, this is really hard. I've been doing this a long time. And then you're like, man, but I've, I've accomplished a lot. I think maybe you kind of, you know, go retrospect in, in your career and stuff, but you know, if it influences or inspires other people, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. And, uh, you know, I, I, I never really thought about it like that, you know, but I, I appreciate you saying that. And, Yeah, Yeah, I should look at that more.
0: Yes, I, I felt how I see it is you. You are a, a brilliant guitar player, I will say that. And on top of that, I see you playing with people who have influenced you. That's, I, I get that picture in my mind for some reason. I don't know why, but that's that's kind of that's how I see things. And um, um, you, you know, some you've actually gotten to know some of the people in a way that you've you've grown up with. That's how that's what makes you distinct in my eyes because you you've been up close and personal with the people that even I grew up listening to. It. I mean, even for that matter quite a riot when you mentioned that i was like i got a feeling he's been very close to working with these men and in my mind you know i i see you uh i see you walking among what most of us see as legends that's what i see
1: yes yeah, totally, and i'm totally
0: yes yes and i see that and i have i'm very proud of that very much so oh thank you um, thank you yes do keep that in mind Um i noticed a couple of your posts on facebook i couldn't help but notice that you had made a trip overseas to one of one of a one of uh, the dreamiest places on earth, I should say. I think you went to Egypt. Am I right on this?
1: Yes, very correct. It's funny you say the dreamiest place because it mm-hmm. is, it's like this mystical, magical, you know, fantasy almost to, to most people, you know, it's like obviously the, the eye on the pyramid, all see an eye on the pyramid at the back of the dollar. I mean, it's like a very mysterious, magical place, you know, where, where all the, uh, the old secret societies have, bond from and all this kind of stuff you know so day and age it kind of has a new twist because when we told everyone we were going a lot mm-hmm. of our friends and, and people we know were worried for so like is it safe to go over there right now and, and we hadn't really thought about that when we booked it because we were so infatuated with the idea mm-hmm. to begin with yes but when we got there to be honest 100 percent it was awesome phenomenal and i've heard there they had a car bombing since we get back got back but mm-hmm. i kind of chalked that up as you know i mean it's it's dangerous everywhere. I mean, people get killed in L.A. every day. You know what I mean? So, you know, and not to take it lightly at all, but when we were there, it was people re- received us so well. I mean, people would start standing in line to take pictures with my girlfriend and I. I mean, it was incredible. And then we went and visited all the places that you could imagine. The Great Pyramid, the, the three pyramids. We went inside the Great Pyramid and hung out in there for an hour. It was, I mean, you know, that that's got to be probably the, the most amazing thing i've ever done in my life to be honest it was pretty incredible
0: ah, and i'm glad to hear you say that it is a beautiful mystical place and um um it hits close to home with me cuz i have a few friends from there and it's a it's it's a gorgeous mystical place like you mentioned um, beautiful sands and and the beaches are absolutely fabulous there and um, and just watching a sunset over a pyramid, that would be just a dream come true to see that in person, that would be beautiful um, yep. we,
1: we, I mean, very, we, yeah. not only do we see that but in intro, you, you see that and then what goes into it next is mm-hmm. th- they had a light show on the pyramids where they cast this whole theatrical light show and there's even a story where they project images on one of the walls of the temples below and then they even project like the the uh khufus, uh the sphinx on the on the face of the sphinx so they actually projected a colored image of a face of a pharaoh on the sphinx. I mean it was incredible. Unbelievable. Hi. Seriously.
0: I can, that is unbelievable. and and just envisioning that it's like ooh lovely. Um there was something that was uh, I, I I'm that I wanted to bring up to you that caught my attention. It was the it was about a hunger strike? Or, no, was, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, you want to talk a little bit about that. I thought this was very interesting. What's the story behind that?
1: Man, the, uh, I will write a book about this whole experience one day because it really was one of those, you know, just, I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's that much information about it. And, you know, it takes some, some really bad turns, actually, you know, but in the end, mm-hmm. it ended up being... Really positive story and stuff, you know, for myself. And it's a great day for us to be talking about this on Independence Day because, you know, basically my rights were taken away, and they tried to uh, really just do things you could not even imagine, trying to force me to to eat. You know, the guards and they were trying to force me to eat meat but by uh, mm-hmm. force of you know threat threat of force, stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, but um, you know, I, I, I had a unpaid fine. And I got pulled over. There's a warrant. So I got put in jail. I didn't have any money at the time. So like either pay the fine or, or go to jail. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go to jail. So when I got in there, you know, I, like to date, I've been vegan for 20 years. So this is about five mm-hmm. or six years ago. So, you know, I've been vegan a long time. I don't eat any animal products and I'm very strict about it. And it's because I, I just don't want to put, uh, you know, death in my body. That's how I feel about it. It's my own. So when I mm-hmm. got in there, you know, I, I requested, you know, vegan meals. And I noticed they had everything that they could they could provide me with everything that I needed, but they just wouldn't put it on one plate. You know, there would become a hamburger with some vegetables and some fruit, maybe the next day some beans with a salad, but there would be a hot dog. You know, so I'm like, look, just give me the beans and some rice some veggies some fruit you know, some juice, and mm-hmm. and I'm good with that. That's fine. You know, I'll, I'll just do my, my time here and get it over with. So they, they wouldn't provide that. So finally, I'm just like, you know what? If you're going to hold me captive against my will, then mm-hmm. you have to have certain responsibilities to take care of, you know. I wasn't saying, well, you know, I, I'm entitled to this or that, but look, you know, I, I haven't been eating the animal products for that long because that's my belief system, so I'm not trying to just make it up, to cause a hard time there, you know. So, long story short, I got a form after several requests, no reply. So I got a form and I just wrote hunger strike on the other side, ripped up a sheet, made a necklace out of it, put it around my my neck, and uh, I didn't eat for ten days before they um, finally decided to send in a nutritionist to find out what it is I wanted to eat. And when I told them, they were shocked. They were like, "That's it? Rice beans?" We, we, we could have done that. I so said, I've been asking for it, you know. But it, it, that's how it works in there. Now, there's a whole other side, a pretty evil side in there that, that, that went down where mm-hmm. where they threatened to beat people up. And they segregated us by race over this thing. They asked the one of the races to, to beat me up, that the guards did, stuff like this. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes I, I feel like I should, you know, have a suit against the city over this. But I, I saw that. Um, something's going down where I had an undercover federal agent go in and he ended up uh, getting killed in there because of the neglect of the guards or something like that. So there's a a big case going on about, you know, uh, you know, police brutality and some other things uh, in LA County jail system. But let me just finish up with the positive side. A friend of mine, his wife was a social worker. And a few months later she was called in to have a meeting with all the other uh, employees of the city of whatever the office she was at. And and they brought up my name said, oh, there was a case that happened where this guy was, you know, vegan. And uh, so basically he called me and said, dude, they're they're making a vegan uh, availability in there now, in LA County Jail, because of what you did. And that just really made me feel great about it because it was like I ended up turning... This negative situation into a positive. It was only just because I fought for what I believed in, truly to my heart, you know, and uh, it actually made some change. So,
0: what a story! Wow, yeah, pretty wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's crazy, but in the end, there's some, a change was made, and that's what that's what it's all about. You are quite an amazing character, and that reflects in your Does playing it? too. <laughs> Yes, it uh, and, does. <laughs> yes. to <laughs> so, so, so all the inca-
1: all the incarcerated vegans can uh, pay homage to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you're yes, vegan, they and can. you're gel, you can you can, you know, thank me. But
0: <laughs> quite a story there. Um, what I wanna get into is um you have um you have, uh, it says here that you have knowledge of written music. Does that mean you can actually read music as well? I have to ask this question because this is close to home with me. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm I, not a sight reader. And, and as mm-hmm. you know, that that's different. You know, understanding mm-hmm. how music is, is put together, uh, through, you know, tablature or whatever. Um, you know, written mm-hmm. music is one thing mm-hmm. and understanding, yes, I know what the notes are. You know, I, I'm not... Mm-hmm hundred percent schooled on it you know but I, I i know the notes and the staff and mm-hmm. stuff but i definitely not a sight reader like i saw some videos of you and by the way mm-hmm. you're a phenomenal piano player yourself and, and musician I, I i you know yesterday to oh. on the show You sent me a link and i was like wow okay this is a whole other level here you know it's not just a person mm-hmm. wants to interview me a, a peer so i appreciate yes. that but i I, oh. you know, I saw that you sight read and i'm like okay you know so that's definitely a step above me i'm i'm definitely more just a hands-on, you know, Mm -hmm. it was trial and error for me, basically, you know, and then I got some books here and there to learn scales, but I I, Mm -hmm. I just put the time in, you know, just figure out what Mm -hmm. the notes were for how they were put together, and, you know, just practice them endlessly, you know, like, didn't have a life, you know, never did anything else, never went water skiing or snow skiing, I, I mean, I literally, one day about, 10, 15 years ago, you know, 13 years ago, I don't know what it was, but I was like, I was talking to someone, they're like, all you know is music, right, in life, period. i like, pretty much. Like, you've never water skied? I'm like, no. Have you ever snow skied? No. They're going down the list, and I'm like, wow, I, I should maybe experience some other things in life. So I've tried some other things, like that. I've been snowboarding last year, and, and I'm trying to, you know, do some other things in life besides music, because that will only enrich my mm-hmm. view on music also, you know.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, um, I want to tell you something about the whole uh, why I I do make a a bit of a deal about that, not very much, I'm going to tell you something because once you understand that musical structure, you can then do whatever the hell you want, you understand Uh, for for me, it's like because I I can do both, I also play by ear and I play by note, meaning I I can sight read, but um, the thing is there is a lot of practice required in terms of actually reading the music, um, because what I do, um, just to let you and everybody else out there know, is I actually break down the music, Mm. (laughs) I break down the music and actually practice a few measures at a time and that is how I also how I teach my students because I am a music teacher by day and um and I make that no secret I make a, a big effort to, uh, for, for all my students to understand This musical structure And it's not just about uh, the Reading the whole thing It's also about understanding Where it comes from On how to feel it And when you understand in a way How to read it Then it awakens in the fingers Okay And that's what What I w- really want to enrich in, um, in everybody that comes my way Especially when it comes to um, You know Understanding the, the musical structure It's like um, after that Once you learn the rules Once you learn the structure I'll, After that boom You know it's it, it everything falls into place after that, you know, because music totally. is no, a it, whole... It,
1: it, I, th- I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'll, I'll interject because, um, yeah. like, every Wednesday, I mm-hmm. mostly every Wednesday, I play at this thing called Ultimate Jam Night at a place called mm-hmm. Lucky Strike on Hollywood and Highlands here in uh, Hollywood.
0: And uh, yeah. all these
1: all-star, you know, 40 to 50 awesome known musicians come and play and, uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we're all playing covers, you know, and mm-hmm. I've never really been a cover guy. I, I, I've always, you know, I, I've as far as I could go as calling it being a cover guy, so I would join a band I grew up listening to and learn their music and then play it. That's sort of like doing covers, but mm-hmm. I'd have to do it for real because now I'm playing it with the actual band. But I, I never really, you know, so the importance of, I think, you know, reading music and sirens is that also that you would really learn how to, to play a lot of other people's music. And, and even simply, because once you learn how to read music, there you go. You mm-hmm. look at it and you learn it and you go. So when you can play other people's music, it really shows you a great path to even playing your own music eventually. You know what I mean? Because you, you learn mm-hmm. the structure. You figure out mm-hmm. why these things are put together the way they are. You know, so I kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I played a little bit of covers here and there growing up over the years, but not avidly like other other people. So I'm kind of playing catch up now on this jam night thing so mm-hmm. like I'm having to pull three to five covers every week new ones mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that so it's like oh wow you know so it would help if I could just get the sheet music and go ba-ba-bam and do it so now I have to listen to it or maybe I'll watch another guitar player do it on YouTube stuff like that you know so I do other types of research to to get myself there you know.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely, and and that's what it's about. It's about, it's the art of listening. It is, and and um, I uh, what I also teach my students uh, is how to listen to it on paper. <laughs> there's there's a method yeah. to that. I'll explain. T- I will explain that after the show for sure. But yes, it, um, music is a whole other language, and, and it involves listening. And in many cases, like even my own, it doesn't. Inv- it does involve reading. And um, what what I've seen and heard from you, you do practice a lot. You have an insatiable. Work ethic when it comes down to practicing, and I, I have to ask about that. Was um, other than your parents and your, and your immediate surroundings, was was or were there other influences that got you to to play the way you do? That is my question.
1: Well, you know, at a young age, um, you know, a, a lot of rock and metal bands inspired me. You know, and then I think I was probably about thirteen maybe 14, I heard Ingve Malmsteen for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that really just set me on fire. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, that's what can be done here. So he really Mm -hmm. set the bar high for me. Then I went on to, you know, people like Richie Blackmore, Jeff Beck. Of course, they were before Ingve, But, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I grew up around that through my family and stuff. And then, you know, like the newer guys, and, of course, Hendrix, I have to mention him, I discovered him when I was about 16, actually, believe it or not. And, and then people like Eddie Van Halen, Steve Vai, you know, these people just really raised a bar. I kept saying, oh, my God, this is climbing. This is – everyone's – you know, the, the, it's just getting better and better. So that – you know, I always told myself, my mantra was, I want to be the best guitar player in the world. That's all I could ever think of. And I knew to get there, I would have to practice. So that always just mm-hmm. – you know, it, as soon as I sat down and started playing – time disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be an hour. It could be five hours. I wouldn't even know. I'd be done. I'd be like, Oh my God, it's nighttime. Oh my God. I've been playing for five hours. But, you know, wow. Didn't even feel like it to me. You know what I mean? So I've I just immersed myself in it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Absolute. it's still—it's not as much like that being older now, you know, and have a family and stuff and you know, I can't spend that amount of time. Yeah. You know, I got to do other stuff in life too. You know, kinda, like I said earlier, uh, live a little other types of, life outside of music you know but uh i think in ninety nineteen ninety six, 1996 i think it was i i decided that i needed to improve my rhythm playing and i'd been playing for a long time i've been in a lot of bands and i wouldn't say that i was a bad rhythm player you know mm-hmm. i could hold my own for sure but i decided to uh, move into a rehearsal studio mm-hmm. and um I lived in my rehearsal studio with no TV. I I Mm -hmm. mention that because that's something that can totally take away from, you know, it's like you turn on a TV, hours can pass. Mm -hmm. So I I, I dedicated Mm -hmm. my time there. So I'm going to live in my rehearsal studio, and I'm going to learn about rhythm. So I actually learned, uh, you know, the the foundation of how rhythm works and started getting into playing odd time signatures and how to regroup numbers. The drummer I was playing Mm -hmm. with at the time, Showed me how to do this and stuff, so I started. I started uh, developing a new style of playing. So now I started practicing even more than I ever did before. Mm-hmm. Now I was doing twelve to eighteen hours a day, and, and I'm mm-hmm. not kidding. I literally just locked myself in my studio. And uh, I remember mean, they sold burritos there for a dollar, and I was vegan then, actually. So they, they had these mm-hmm. Amy's vegan burritos for a dollar. So I'd get, mm-hmm. I'd just live on those things. I swear I lived on them for a couple of years. I'd microwave a couple of those a day, go back into my room and just play, play, play. I'd play to a drum machine that I'd play through this amp and I, I discovered a new way to play rhythm. Like I play, I have a style, I don't demonstrate it that much with a lot of bands I play with, but I do it my solo work and stuff. I play rhythm with both hands. So I don't just fret chords and play rhythm my right hand. I actually hammer on fret and play rhythm with the right side. So almost kind of like a Michael Hedges type approach in a way. But I, I, yes. I apply it to, a you know, kind of a, a metal context and a really over-the-top solo technique, you know. You do a, a lot of polyrhythmic movement with both hands, you know. Like like I have an acoustic guitar right here. Here's a little demonstration We you can hear it. So on okay. the left hand, I literally just go... <laughs> I'm just hammering those notes, wow. and then I just get two notes back and forth. That's all I'm doing on the other uh-huh. hand. So it sounds like they're both doing the same thing, but then when you mix them, it goes like this. Oh. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, so, so a- I, 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 I derived that technique out of studying rhythm, you know, so, so I started yeah. string- both of my hands are equally as strong rhythmically, which is really adds to your soloing. Well, you know, it also adds to your rhythm playing, of course, you know, but it, even soloing, you know what I mean? It's like if you want to play things in seven and, and, and stuff like that, you know, it's like uh, you, you got to have really strong left hand also to do because you really want to project that you're playing this stuff, you know? So it's like, you know what I mean? Like playing and, yes, and stuff like that. Yeah, so so it, it's almost to... like it's it's almost like playing piano in a way because both your hands have to have that strong rhythm feel. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, we have now just incorporated two languages in this interview. We've got, of course, English, and now we have music, and you yep. and you combine them brilliantly. Absolutely amazing. Well, Thank okay, you. yes, we we are now. Uh, we're now getting, gearing towards the end here, and I want to know what's going on with you. I know that you have shows coming up, and I know you're coming to Texas for sure, but uh, where are you headed uh, besides Texas is my question.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm playing with a band called Death Division. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really cool because uh, the bass player, Jerry Montano, he mm-hmm. uh, used to play bass for Danzig, and he played on the first Hell Yeah record with Vinnie uh, mm-hmm. Paul from Pantera, you know, so it's a r- really well-known band and, you know, it's a, a mm-hmm. great record. But anyway, so Jerry started a new band. He asked me to play mm-hmm. a show with them. So I, I agreed and uh, it went really well and uh, I was waiting for Attica seven to book some stuff and I found out Rusty was filming some stuff on the East Coast and was going to be uh, on hiatus for, you know, several months. So I'm like, well, you know what? These guys have some stuff coming up. Let me talk to him and see what's up. So th- that's mm-hmm. kind of where just how this all went about. But the cool thing is, is actually Jerry and I have known each other from my Sacramento days. Like I probably met him when I was probably 18 years old. So we've known each other for a long time. I'm 44 now. Now we've never played in a band together, but he he had moved to LA pretty early on. And I ended up moving here like, you know, eight or nine years ago. And uh, yeah, nine years ago now. So, him and I had, had a reconnect and we met up a few times and stuff. So, you know, we ended up staying in touch once I moved here. So it's kind of cool, you know, it's like, uh, just kind of history coming back around to, to, uh, you know, bring some fruit into my life really, you know, that's the way I look at it. But, uh, we have a really cool tour coming up with, uh, we're supporting the band Wednesday 13. And, uh, yeah. that, that, that's, uh, the singer from murder dolls, you know, he goes by the name Wednesday. And, uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be doing 28 shows in 30 days. So we're going all around the U.S. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. if you go to the Facebook page for Death Division, just search Death Division, or Mm -hmm. you can go to uh, Facebook, uh, Ira Black. Facebook.com forward slash Ira Black it will be on there. Mm -hmm. Um, My girlfriend, Jessica Chase, also does um, a lot of my uh, PR work. So she, whatever I'm involved in, she gets involved in. So if you look up mm-hmm. Jessica Chase's so or Facebook accounts or uh, Death Division's Instagram is really hot right now, too. We're getting mm-hmm. about a 1,000 likes per picture right now, which is, you know, it, it, it's climbing really well. So, yep. you know, search Ira Black, Death Division, Jessica mm-hmm. Chase, or you can also search um, Attica 7 on Facebook also.
0: Okay. All, I'm just all letting everybody know. Yes, absolutely, and I've got your website here, IraBlackAttack.com. Please check that out. I am so happy that you called in and you did this interview. Uh, GPR is skyrocketing and blossoming and just going places, all on account of guys like yourself. You are talented. You've got substance, and you've got a lot on your plate that is that with with extra helpings to go with it. (laughs) I'm very happy you you called in. You have. Yes, absolutely. And please, everybody, check out irablackattack.com. also check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Anywhere you can find Ira Black, just gobble him up. He is fabulous, he is wonderful, he's an amazing musician, a phenomenal guitar player, and just oh, keep supporting you. him. He's absolutely worth listening to, and uh, incorporating both lang- both languages uh, this afternoon on gpr was it was an amazing experience for me, so now everyone gets a taste of what musicians experience on a daily basis. So I'm signing off for now, saying ideal for now. But before I do that, I just want to say an extra special thank you to Mr. Ira Black. Thank you so much. Absolutely Thank amazing. you,
1: Sophia, the Gypsy Poet, very much.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, very much. All right, guys, I'm signing off. This is the Gypsy Poet signing off, saying ideal for now.
1: Happy 4th.